0: You guys wanted more updates on what's going on with our new building, which uh, last year I thought, man, I was talking too much about it. Like, you guys don't want to hear another thing about the new building. But uh, I guess it's not that case. Um, So let me just give you a few uh, details about it and expect that next week there will be a uh, rather large uh, sum of information on the new building in the newsletter. The newsletter that Pam puts out. So I have spent uh, this past week putting together a lot of details and some history of our church. Um, so that will be coming this next week in the newsletter. But for today, I wanted to tell you um, where we are at financially. So far, we have spent $381,000 on our new building, which is a lot of money. Uh, praise God. For you, faithful people, for uh, bringing that money up so that we could spend that, and uh, we currently have thirty-two thousand and one hundred dollars in our building fund, in our building account. So two numbers that you can hold on to. Here's some other numbers. In nineteen, no, no, no. in eighteen ninety-five, this building that we are in today was constructed, eighteen ninety-five, and. The lumber to put it together, and the materials cost a total of fourteen hundred dollars. One thousand one hundred of those dollars was uh donated by a doctor. Metcalf, who kind of was instrumental in putting this church building up and gathering the the uh folks who met together in a house in here in colony, and uh three hundred dollars of that was raised by a woman's group that uh, did fundraisers and such things to bring $300, which $300 is evidently a lot of money at that point in time. Uh, $381,000 were a long ways from $1,400, evidently. Uh, a board cost more today than it did back then. So expect more information to come, also about the ministry teams. Uh, Today, I want to talk about a sign in Cana. The series that we're going through is the road to discipleship. We're talking about being a disciple of Christ and making disciples, like Jesus tells us in the 28th chapter of Matthew, go and make disciples. So how do we do that? It's a journey that we uh, will Come across a lot of difficulties and a lot of positive things as well. So, along that journey, we're going to discuss some things that uh, Jesus experienced and that Jesus' first disciples experienced from the book of John, the road of discipleship. Today, we're focusing on a sign. A sign, we all like the idea of a sign. Most of us would like to see signs telling us where to go or what to do, when to stop, when to go. We like the idea of a sign. Our scripture talks a lot about signs, actually. A lot about it in the Old Testament and some about it in the New Testament as well. So let me give you uh, just a sample of the signs that we see in our texts. You're probably aware of most of them. In the first pages of our Bible, we come across uh, Adam and Eve's son, Cain. Now, you know the story. Uh, Abel offered the uh, pleasing sacrifice to the Lord, and Cain, well, he did not offer a pleasing sacrifice to the Lord, and Cain became angry became jealous, and he killed his brother. Cain let sin take over him. And after he did that, uh, God said, Now you are cursed and banished from the ground which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you'll be a homeless wanderer on this earth. Of course, Cain is not liking that idea at all. He's beside himself. He's worried would be an understatement. In verse 13 of Genesis uh, chapter chapter 2, he says, uh, Lord, my punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from the land and from your presence. You have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. He's just like, there's no hope for me now. And God says, Genesis chapter 4, verse 15, And the Lord appointed a sign for Cain that no one finding him would slay him. So God didn't tell him that, but God did this. He appointed a sign for Cain. And that sign is, you are safe, Cain. Anyone who see this sign, leave you alone. Here's another sign. We uh, read about Noah and all the work he did on the ark. And uh, the flood came, and the ark floated and saved Noah and his family. And then the flood waters receded, and Noah and his family were grateful that they were saved and they built an altar to the Lord. Genesis chapter 9, verse 17. Then God said to Noah, Yes, this rainbow is a sign. Of the covenant I am confirming with all the creatures on the earth never again will floodwaters destroy all life this sign for Noah was a rainbow how about Gideon Gideon he actually asked God for a sign you no know, Cain uh, didn't ask for the sign Noah didn't ask for a sign, but Gideon says, Hey uh God, are you really going to use me to save Israel? if you are give me a sign and then he he throws out the uh, the garment and the fleece and says you know if there's uh, if there's dew on the fleece and not on the ground then I'll accept that as a sign God and he throws that again and if there's dew on the ground and not on the fleece I'll accept that as a sign. He asked for a sign, and God was obliged to give him that sign. How about the shepherds? We talk about at Christmas, you know, when Jesus was born. They got a sign. The angels came to them, and, and the shepherds were terrified. And the angels said, Luke chapter 2, verse 11, The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And then verse 12 says, And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Here's how you recognize him. By this sign. He's going to be wrapped. So the shepherds, when they got there, they oh, like, oh, there's, there's, there's the swaddling clothes. That's our sign. Signs from the Lord are a great thing. They can give us courage, like in the case of Gideon. They can give us hope, like in the case of the rainbow for Noah. They can remind us of our safety, as in the case of Cain. And they can provide proof or evidence, like in the case of the shepherds. But the important thing about a sign is what it points to. The important thing about a sign is what it points to. In all of these cases, the sign points to God's power. There's nothing particularly special about the mark that Cain had. We don't know exactly what that mark was. There's nothing special about that mark necessarily. There's nothing special about the fleece that was on the ground with Gideon or even the swaddling clothes on Jesus, or the rainbow, as neat as a rainbow is. It's what the sign points to, and where the sign comes from, that's important. Today's main text is from John chapter 2. Let me read to you John chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. The next day there was a wedding celebration, in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, Now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. Now, first off, there's some really neat things about this account. This is the only time that the town of Cana is mentioned in scripture. It seems like uh, Cana will be a very popular place. Uh, Jesus was there, but we don't read about it anywhere else. That's just one interesting thing about this. Uh, And notice that the jars, it says that the jars were carved of stone. Well, what's the alternative? It could have been made of glass or metal. Well, Probably not back then. But they could have been made from clay. That's a very common way to make jars back then. They could have been formed out of the earth. Now what difference does that make? Well, according to the Levitical rules found in Leviticus chapter 11, jars or vessels carved from stone were not subject to ritual contamination or impurity as the... Earthenware or the pottery clay pots uh, were so that's kind of neat. I wonder how long it takes to carve a jar out of stone. These uh, these were some interesting things in the story. Now this is known as the first miracle, although I'm not sure that miracle is the right word for it. More on that in a minute. It's the first time that Jesus reveals his glory which I think shows an extreme amount of control on Jesus's part. I mean think about it Jesus who he is, the Son of God, he's you know able to do well anything and imagine him as a small child. think back when you were a child and where your imagination would lead you. Jesus was definitely a special kid. Uh, I don't know what kind of kid, but uh, a special one at at most, because uh, at least when I was a child, I would think these ideas, think, boy, if I had all the power in the world, dot, 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 some pretty crazy things would happen. I would have a, enough Legos to build a whole huge house. Uh, I would have a uh, a pond that would be the size of one of the Great Lakes to fish in. If I could do anything when I was a kid, it would be pretty crazy. Well, Jesus, he uh, is Jesus all his life. There must have been some control all the way up to when Jesus was on the cross. Anyway, those are some neat parts about this, uh, as far as this story goes. When I say story, please understand that uh, this is not a fable or a fairy tale or a wives' tale. I believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. Everything in the Bible actually happened Sometimes a person can get confused by the parables that Jesus tells, things that actually happened, and the parables. Jesus uses parables, stories that he has formed, to get across a point, a message to us. But John's Gospel does not record any of the parables. Uh, everything in John's Gospel is actually an account of what happened. So, As far as this true story goes, what in the world is going on here? There are several things about this story that leave us scratching our heads. Jesus, the disciples and his mother were at a wedding celebration and they run out of wine. What a scenario. What does Mary find, or why does Mary find Jesus and tell him when this happened? does mary know something that we don't when jesus was a little kid and ran out of juice and all he had was water did did he make that water into juice and mary see it and so mary says i, I know what jesus can do we'll never know well maybe we will someday but we don't know now why does jesus call his mother woman this uh makes some people scratch their head. It seems like coming out of scriptures maybe not a very respectful term, although, you know, how honorable is it to be called a woman? God made a woman. God made a man. I think it's an honorable term. But nonetheless, some people think that Jesus should have called his mother a more proper term. Why does Jesus say, my time has not come? Which is basically telling his mother no. And what time is he referring to? His time of doing miracles? Or maybe his time of revealing who he is to the public? And why does he tell his mother no, and then go ahead and solve the problem? And All of the things... <laughs> of all of the things that Jesus could make more of, why in the world is it wine? If you've wondered about these things, you're not alone. Scholars have spent a great deal of time trying to figure out specific answers to these questions. What is going on here? And we could spend a bunch of time focusing on the details But we can't miss the main point. And it's in the next verse. Verse 11, John chapter 2. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed His glory. And His disciples believed in Him. This is a sign. The focal point Of this true story is not the wedding, is not the woman, and it is not the wine. It's the sign to the disciples. The sign that Jesus is Lord and He can do anything. And it worked. Because they believed in Him. Now Jesus had just gathered some disciples at this point. He's starting to gather them together and he's building a relationship with them. He's teaching them new things, good things. He's getting to know them. They're getting to know him. He's teaching them some things that are that are hard to accept, like love your enemy. He's asking them to leave their normal lives behind and to follow him and How does He keep them engaged at this point with so many life-changing things that are presented to them? Understand this. God can use any situation He wants to show you His power. Any situation. He can use any situation He wants to draw you closer to Him. That's why He did this miracle. It's a sign. He did this miracle not because his mother wanted him to, although he respected his mother. He didn't do this miracle because he was worried about the bridegroom and the family being embarrassed because they ran out of wine, but because he was strengthening the faith of his disciples. It's about strengthening faith. had to be a hard disciple of Jesus. Some of them probably still had fishing on their minds or other things about previous occupations. Man, this is you know, thinking about the way they used to make money, the way they used to do life. And it's so much different now following Jesus. Some of them were probably wondering if they had made the right decision in leaving John the Baptist and following Jesus. Some were John's disciples before they came to Jesus. They were probably thinking, what in the world am I doing? And at that point, a crazy display of power. Water turned into wine, just like that. And good wine. Now, I don't know what good wine is. I don't know anything about wine, but this was good wine. It drew the attention of everyone at the party. And if the disciples were questioning it in their minds uh, what they were doing following Jesus, now, at this point, they're all in. And the disciples, man, they're real people like you and I. They have doubt. So it's going to take periodic displays to keep them locked in. And this is how Jesus starts. He gives them a sign in the wine. Question. When have you seen the Lord display His power in your life? When have you experienced Him doing something locked you back into following Him. For me, well, I usually don't ask the Lord for a sign like Gideon did. But sometimes I find myself looking back at all the destruction, like Noah, and I'll wonder how in the world everything is going to be okay. And then God will... Show me some sort of rainbow. Or I'll be at a place, kind of like a wedding, all caught up in everything that's happening, and then the Lord will do one thing that re-engages me. Folks, look for these signs, and don't forget them. Hold them close to you, and say them to other people. Be a witness to the sign that God gives you. It's part of being a disciple. part of making disciples. Now I mentioned that uh, this is often referred to as the first miracle of Jesus. Some translations say miracle. Some say sign. The NLT says a miraculous sign other miracles uh, that happen that Jesus performs are things like healing the lame casting out demons making the blind see again raising the dead to life and giving us eternal life now those those are miracles and those they all seem on a different level than turning water to wine but this sign Helped lock the disciples in. All of us make a choice in life whom we will follow. Will we follow money? Will we follow our selfish desires? Will we follow the culture? Or will we follow Jesus? It's the most important decision that you'll ever make. It's the most important decision that you'll ever lead someone to make. And it often may not seem like the most important decision at the time. You know, I've been thinking about, about the settlers who came from the east to this area, the west, and this past couple of weeks, man, it's been cold. And how did they survive in cold like this? And did that come into play when they uh, picked a spot to settle? It must have, and I'm sure they were smarter than I would have been. it come all that way, and, and maybe it was in a summertime. And if they picked a place that was far away from water, or that only had a little stream that was a foot deep flowing through it, and then come wintertime and they had livestock... Where would they get their water? That foot of water is now solid. And my plan is, as I chop ice, you know, I think about this. How in the world would they have done this? And my plan is that when my stream freezes solid, I'll uh, get a stock tank and run water from the hydrants and keep it warm somehow. They didn't have this option. They didn't have running water. How they survive? How would they get water to their livestock? How would they get water to themselves? I, th- I think about these kind of things. And it comes back to you had to make the right decision where you chose to stake your claim. If you made it far from water, there, you were in trouble. You had to have a source of water a deep source of water that wouldn't freeze during the winter. You were, uh, you know, there's great risks when you come to a new place to start a new life. When you choose whom you follow, there's also great risks. When you choose where you land, eternity is at hand. Jesus is where we need to stake our claim. Every day we should choose Jesus. Every day. Every day we should make sure that we are putting our faith in Him because we know that there is living water. Water that will take care of us, that will fill us, that will bring us to Him for eternity. If You need a sign. Well, it's right here in the Scripture. The wine that was made from water. If you need a sign, maybe it's today, worshiping here with a bunch of other folks who believe that the Lord gave His life for you. If you need a sign, maybe it's the the text says that He loves you so much that He gave His life so that you could be forgiven of your sin. Don't miss these signs. Jesus turned the water into wine so that the disciples would believe in him. So that's where we should stake our claim so that we would believe in him day after day, so that we would choose him. This is the goodness. God worship team if you want to come up give us the last song